Welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm Shireen Oberg and I'm a yoga teacher and author devoted to the path of healing and heart-based living. And I want to help you to step into what you truly are and to your highest potential. On this podcast, I share with you tools and insights to help you move ever forward on your spiritual and healing path. With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. I hope you have a beautiful week and... Many of us have been feeling very strong energies since the last new moon and now leading up to next week's full moon and equinox. If you're in the northern hemisphere, it's the fall equinox or Mabon, which is actually the time of harvest and of also moving towards the darker seasons. And in the south, of course, in the southern hemisphere, it's the opposite, so moving towards light. And on the 20th, on Monday, 20th of September, me and Sandra Ray will have an online equinox and full moon ceremony to both celebrate the full moon in Pisces, which is very healing and spiritual, and also celebrate the season of harvest or Mabon, which is in the wheel of the year, and it opens up this new energy for us to really dive deeper into our healing and into ourselves and we will have a two-hour session where we connect with the energies and the traditions of the equinox we learn about the full moon and connect with this piscean energy and we also work with mother earth's energy and the goddess ishtar and her different aspects and we would love to have you there if you are called and feeling called to join us on Monday you can click the link in my show notes here or visit my website lawofpositivism.com or connect with me on Instagram to learn more and this week's episode is about goddess Lilith and the descent And I have Lara Charlotte here. She's a healer, teacher, folk herbalist, astrologer, and devotee of the feminine mysteries. She spent six years as a full-time apprentice of shamanic plant medicine in in the Peruvian Amazon. And she's also co-founded the Garden of Peace Retreat Center. She is currently on home soil in Aotearoa in New Zealand and tending to the fires of the goddess and her ancestors. This episode is very much aligned with the season that we're coming into right now which is more yin and we connect to this aspect of the earth and the goddess. We talk about the dark goddess, we talk about the descent of Inanna or Ishtar which is two different names of the same goddess. We also talk about the myths and astrology of Lilith and we tap into plant medicine. So I hope that this episode helps you. You can check Lara out. She has her own beautiful program together with the energy of Lilith that she's created. You can check that out in the show notes as well and enjoy. Hi, Lara. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm so glad to have you here. We're speaking from different parts of the world, Sweden and New Zealand. And I want to start by asking you if you have any form of mindfulness practice or daily ritual or routine that you have to stay grounded and present in your life. Hmm. There's always something <laughs> and it, it, you know, it changes and adapts based on my needs and where I am and what I'm doing. But, um, you know, yoga has probably been my 
my ally for about 10 years or more. And um, especially at the moment, I've been doing a, a Tantra yoga practice and meditation practice, um, which has been really powerful chanting and, and, and breathing. Um, but, you know, I think prayer and contemplation, sometimes that happens every day without me even noticing that it's happening. Mm, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, we've connected through Instagram and I felt very drawn to your work, your energy and everything that you're sharing. And maybe you want to introduce yourself to the listeners who you are and how you got here to the work that you're doing. Mm, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm Lara. I was born in Aotearoa, New Zealand, which is where I am now. But uh, I was overseas for about 10 years, uh, living in Australia and then also living in Peru in the Northwest Amazon, where I co-founded a retreat center and spent all of that time really in a full-time shamanic plant medicine apprentice apprenticeship. So that, you know, that's a whole... <laughs> That's a whole journey. But really in terms of what we're talking about today, of course, and you'll know this from your own experience, there are threads that weave from very early childhood, I now realise. Um, threads of magic, threads of connection with a multidimensional experience. But, um, you know, we were chatting briefly about Ishtar and. For me, uh, the sort of launching off point into this topic that we're going to talk about today, uh, the beginning of the descent, <laughs> the beginning of the initiation of the dark goddess, all of that, also came uh, through Ishtar, or for me, she came as Inanna. And um, I was at the retreat centre in Peru, and my husband and I had decided to separate. We'd, we'd decided that we were going to separate and that was cool. And I, I'd been processing that for a few weeks. And then on the day of the Southern Hemisphere, so the summer solstice of December 2017, <laughs> I was sitting by the river and I was just drumming playing my drum and, and quite often I will have this experience where I tune into the sound of the river and I start to hear music sometimes coming from the water. Um, and in this case, a tune came out and I just started singing. And uh, the song that came was And I was like, oh, that feels, that feels good in my body you know like this is this feels good and so I was singing that song all day I, I, I sort of like went into a trance with this this tune and it wasn't until I got to the evening that I sort of went hold on I'm saying Inanna I'm sure that that she's a, a deity or a mythological figure of some sort and so I went and got the um we had like a Joseph Campbell myths to live by on the bookshelf and I took that and I looked her up and sure enough I found um, Inanna, Sumerian deity, um, her most famous myth is the descent of Inanna and it's one of the core archetypal myths of you know sort of like a feminine counterpart to the hero's journey and I was like okay cool that piece of information dropping in on that day was was such a moment of grace because what happened the next day, um, some things unfolded around the separation, some deeper layers and things that I hadn't been aware of. And, and um, a lot of things had happened building up to that where my reserves of like strength, spiritually, mentally, and physically were down to that last kind of 5%. I was just hanging in there. And, and this shift um, just took me out 
And I literally fell into a, you know, if I, if I hadn't had this mythological thread to hold on to, I would have thought that I was experiencing full-blown psychosis. Um, I was in the underworld. I was in the world of the dead. The, the, I was having waking hallucinations. I could see ash all over the floor. I could see my bones. I could see spirit. Like it was very intense. And um, I was like, Inanna, hmm, descent to the underworld, like, what's going on? And so that unfolded. And um, as I followed the breadcrumb trail of experience, often having an experience and then retrospectively getting the information that made me go, oh, that's that, you know, very much an organically kind of unfolding thing. Uh, That is what led me to... uh, what I called the path of the rose, you know, my Instagram account is the path of the rose. The name of my website is the path of the rose. And um, for me, that has been very much uh, the path of initiation with Inanna and with the celestial cycles of Venus, which her core myths are so tied to. And um, I mean, roses, because I was in a plant medicine path, roses just started appearing everywhere. Like I'd go to a hotel and there'd be roses on the bed and then someone would give me rose tea and then the receptionist would be called Rose. And I was just like, okay, roses. Um, And, you know, roses are, you know, all plants hold, um, all plants hold a frequency of consciousness that could be like a microcosm of the macrocosm of the celestial bodies. So rose as a plant intelligence holds the frequency of Venus. And once, you know, again, these jigsaw pieces were fitting together, fitting together. And at some point I came to realize that from the rose here on earth through my body to the planetary consciousness and the cycles of Venus and and the deity of Inanna and, and all the other stuff in between, um, that became the cosmology and the mythology that has been informing my work for the last, like, four and a half, five years. And then that kind of leads us to today. (laughs) Wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing. It's, It's so powerful and synchronistic and so you were very aware and conscious of the symbols and the signs so i think that's really important on on our path to be very that's where we move from the head and thinking mind to really being open to experience and to see so everything that came to you you were very aware of it it was leading you so i think that's really beautiful and i had the similar experience because when when i did a journey and saw this um yeah this mythological creature and she told her name and all of this it wasn't in my conscious mind or logical mind so the myths are really something and the these deities and beings and all of this is like we just have to like be able to receive and to be receptive to these messages and the different faces of the goddess or or gods or whatever we want to work with so I think that's really amazing and yeah there's so much I want to ask because I'm also very interested in the cycles of Venus how uh, that, that that's a whole huge topic in itself and and you're completely right because now we can see like that the rose path is really strong and and one can see the lineage from Inanna or Ishtar. It's just different names for the same deity. And then moving forward and Isis and Mary Magdalene, it's just like continuing now. And I love that it's waking up. Why do you think it's being awakened in us right now? Mm. I mean, that's a really good question. All I know is that for myself, there's almost nothing I could do to stop it. (laughs) 
I tried pretty hard, pretty resistant, you know, at times. Um, I guess that there are, I don't know, something that comes to my mind is I, I have a wonderful astrology mentor who I've been studying with for some years and um, he said uh, in, in one lesson, what if we are not dreaming the gods into being but they are dreaming us? What if we are being dreamt by the gods? And I like kind of flipping it like this because, you know, the gods are archetypes. They're also energies. They're also stories. They're also actual frequencies of consciousness that you can have a relationship. And there's so many levels on which we can choose to engage, but it goes without saying that for at least the last 5,000 years, um, the dominant culture on, on earth has been very patriarchal. And as we get into talking about Lilith, we can see through her stories and through the changing nature of the way that we've related with that energy, that consciousness, that archetype, that deity in ourselves and through the stories and projected outwards, we can see what the price of this ever-increasing intensification of this patriarchal matrix is. And then I think at some point there just has to be balance. There has to be universal law. There has to be some kind of just inherent balancing that happens. Yeah, that's true. And it's happening in a big way now when we can see it all around us. And the feminine is, is also it's so different from what we've experienced from this patriarchal system, because also one can see that like the stories of Inanna changes over time as the patriarchy is more and more dominant. So leading up to around the year like zero, it's become very, very biased and yeah, we needed to have that. It's it's strange, but I agree. It's it's something that has to have a tipping point and something that needs a very huge counterpart now to to be able to balance it, like yin and yang. It's very important. So we have talked about the descent and dark goddess, uh, and we can get into maybe if if you have the myths and stories of Lilith because I'm very interested in that as well and the archetype and how that came in for you in your life mm. yes Lilith <sighs> she's very strong and active <laughs> in my consciousness and in my body right now um you know, I think it's important as well that we, when we talk about this tipping point and this balancing, that if something has been in an extreme, that expressions that respond to that may also express in an extreme. And um, like all things, there's a spectrum of consciousness, right? There's a degenerative or a shadow expression, and then there's like an exalted, integrated expression. And this absolutely applies to the feminine as well. And I think that sometimes um, can be easy for people to say, oh, the, the divine feminine, the feminine is all good and it's all what we need and we just need more goddess energy. And, you know, and it's not that simple and it's not that, that straightforward. Um, Lilith is such a wonderful example. And how Lilith, how Lilith really came forward was actually, um, again, when I look back in my life, I now realize that her themes have been very woven with mine and in my own astro astrological chart. She's extremely prominent in every aspect. Um, but Lilith was most directly awakened in me um, through a lover. And... I remember looking at this person's chart and noticing that his Chiron sat on top of my Lilith exactly. 
and that my Mercury sat exactly on his Lilith and there was this like alchemy that happened somehow between the blueprint of our beings and what opened up through that experience, I mean, Lilith has a lot to do with um, sexuality as well, was all of the unconscious Lilith that was in me. It wasn't like uh, with Inanna, she kind of descended into my consciousness and, and she almost came down from the celestial realms and there's always been this these hard initiations, but with an exaltation. The initiations with Lilith have been extreme. They have been scary. They have been intense and they have been painful. But they have taken me into places that I never would have willingly gone, never, ever. <laughs> and I said to someone, I'm like, this is like a bloody root canal for my soul. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Lilith, where to start? There's so many places that we can start with her. We can start with the mythology, if you like. Yeah, I would love to hear that and and I read it some of it as well especially connected to Inanna's stories so I would love to hear and also maybe the historical you know shifts that happened in her stories yeah yeah so um the myth I've been pretty deep researching it because I'm in the process of birthing this this Lilith journey this course and um she's such a complex figure that you could do a PhD on Lilith you know you could study her for your whole life because she's her appearances are so broad but um around 5,000 years ago in um, southern Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, <laughs> Mesopotamia yeah. uh which is like southern Iraq right the Sumeria Sumer civilization she she arises in these very early myths as actually being the handmaiden of Inanna and in the earliest sort of records uh, her role was to go out into the streets and find men and bring them to Inanna's temple to participate in these sacred rites these uh, sexual initiatory rites so in that way, she was, yeah, she was a handmaid of Inanna. And then as time progresses and the culture progresses and we're starting to get up to around like 3000 BC, 2500 BC, culturally the, the patriarchy was rising in that region and, and things were shifting uh, culturally. And we start to see this change where there is there is one story in the in particular the story of the Palipa tree, where the goddess Inanna, the queen of heaven and earth, you know, she um, is she finds this Palipa uh, tree, which I believe is a willow, a willow tree, and she it's been ripped up on the bank of the river, and she decides to take it into her garden and grow it so that she can build both a bed and a throne for herself and I think it's interesting that it's a bed and a throne they're these kind of domestic objects that would establish Inanna as the queen her bed the, the place that her sexuality kind of exists upon and her throne her dominance and her sovereignty and rulership but the tree's not growing and so you know Inanna's getting upset about this <laughs> That her tree's not growing. She wants to grow some, make some, get some wood for her furniture. And at some point, she realizes that there are three beings that have taken up residence in this tree, and that's why it's not growing. One of the beings is a serpent, snake, coiled at the bottom, which that's you know early sort of Kundalini associations. At the top is the the bird that's called the so bird, a winged being, and in the middle is the dark maid Lilith, who screeches. So here we have someone that was this beautiful maiden that used to bring them to the temple, and now a couple of thousand years later, as the culture is 
shifting. She's now the dark maid and she's screeching and she's in the way. And um, what Inanna chooses to do, what the goddess, the great goddess chooses to do is to ask her brother Gilgamesh to come and to cut down the tree. So the masculine comes in, it cuts down the hulipa tree and the dark maid Lilith screeches and disappears off into the wild and dark places. And with that, the beautiful maiden that used to bring men to the temples for these sacred sexuality rites is banished. And the snake of the Kundalini of the serpent of this, that energy is also banished. And the bird with the wings that takes us into these higher realms is also gone. And but Inanna you know, as, a, as an exchange for this, gets her, her throne and gets her, her bed. But we can already see the split that has begun. Yeah. It's very... These, these stories and myths are like Inanna's stories start with so much empowerment and self-love and self-devotion and and then it definitely shifts and and then in the in the stories where she's banned from eden lilith uh, for wanting to be her like in her sovereignty and independence that's also where one can see that the the feminine is and the feminine is within all of us no matter if you're male or female but that aspect has to be suppressed in order for us to be approved because also from these stories that you mentioned from um ancient mesopotamia and this sumerian tablets it's very clear that there are two aspects of of the divine that is that is portrayed there and one is very accepting and wanting the liberation for people and then one is the opposite it's the enslavement and that's aspects within us as well like do we want to be enslaved or do we want to be free and then when you move into that era that was over 2000 years ago um it's where the focus shifts into the enslavement part. That's what we, we accept. We have as humankind accepted the, the non-sovereignty and, and that's why we're giving up our power. So it's really interesting. And I think that, so like in astrology, because I worked with astrology for many, many years, but I have never went so deeply into Lilith in astrology and so I'm not I can't interpret that like I can maybe on a superficial level but how so you've been working with that as well how have you seen how how does that work and what is Lilith and there's this dark moon Lilith and yeah all of these aspects yeah so this theme of exile this, th this theme of being exiled and then what happens as a result of that exile um, and then the redemption and the reintegration. Those are the kind of fundamental things that keep coming back with Lilith, you know, whether it's the exile culturally of our sacred sexuality, our raw feminine power, our intuition, our gifts of prophecy, our wildness, our instincts, you know, that aspect of the feminine being exiled and then the, the cost of that being, you know, immense grief, the trauma. What does trauma create? Trauma, intense trauma creates these demons, these demonic, you know, because once, once the dark maid Lilith was exiled in, in Sumer. She became the Lilai, the wind spirits that live in the wild and uninhabited places. And when Lilith, the first wife of Adam, um, as she's quoted in these old um, Hebrew texts, left, she went to the Red Sea and started apparently having sex with all these demons and making all these demon babies. And when they tried to take her back to the garden, they said, come back. And she was like, nah. 
And so these three angels started killing 100 of her babies every day for, you know, gods and goddesses live forever. So for like a long time. And you can imagine the grief and the rage and the wrath. And, you know, the astrology of Lilith is so interesting because it reflects all of this, even though the astrological pillars of Lilith were not sort of all discovered at once and neatly lined up to match up with the archetype. It's something much more organic than that. Um, we have in astrology uh, four ways to look at Lilith in Western astrology. So the first one is the asteroid Lilith. She was discovered in uh, 1927, I think. And this asteroid really has a lot to do with the impulse of rebellion, the impulse to leave, the impulse to rebel and to be like, I've been sitting here, I've been dealing with this shit, you've been trying to dominate me, I don't feel good, I don't feel equal, I'm not in my truth, I'm not being honest with myself, and it builds up and it builds up and it builds up and then snap. And then there's this moment of like, bye, <laughs> I'm gone. Because the asteroid's very erratic. And um, I recently discovered that I have the asteroid Lilith conjunct my sun and Venus. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and, and there is, you know, there's a, there's also a kind of a, um, and if anyone wants to look it up, when you're typing it into astrology apps, it's asteroid 1181. That's how you find the asteroid Lilith. And then there's another aspect, which is called the dark moon Lilith. Dark moon Lilith is also what's known as the Waldemath moon. So the Waldemath moon has been speculated about for like hundreds of years. And basically what it is, is it's this mysterious second satellite, like the moon is a satellite of Earth, you know, and this is like this other moon, but it's hidden behind a dust cloud and they see it and then they don't see it. And then they just find its shadow and nobody really knows. This is the Waldemath or the dark moon Lilith. And this is very much the place of exile. And what happens in exile, what happens to the parts of ourselves, if we look at it psychologically, that we repress our shadow those parts of ourselves that we shame, repress, deny, can't see, and the monsters that they become, our unprocessed trauma, our unprocessed grief, rage, shame, guilt, agony, our repressed sexuality, um, and the monstrous, wrathful form. You know, with um, Waldemath Moon, Dark Moon Lilith, we see things like obsession, manipulation, addiction, codependency. I feel in some ways, you know, um, this like vengeful, like I will get my revenge, you know, um, when the very necessary and very um, relevant Me Too movement happened and became really prominent, you know, obviously a necessary and important thing, but Lilith, you know, both in her asteroid form as like enough's enough, but also in her world math, dark moon, um, name him, lynch him, get him, like just the wrath just coming out. this like very um, wrathful form. And, and because it's shadowed, it's hidden, it's often playing out in ways that are unconscious. So um, I heard something very awesome from... Um, I can't remember her name, but the lady that does the rewilding for women, that's the name of her website. She's awesome. And she works with Lilith as well. And she mentioned something about um, shadow Lilith, these repressed Lilithian aspects, sometimes showing up as mental illness, passing down through female lines, because there can be like a psychotic kind of edge to that as well. And then there is Black Moon Lilith. So um, the name of the, the journey that I'm birthing, the name of the course that I'll be um, opening the doors to uh, in a couple of days, it's called Black Moon Rising. 
Black Moon Lilith in her, um, there's two forms. There's the mean node or the true node. And they are just slightly different ways of calculating a point in space, which is about sort of the moon's elliptical orbit and this, this furthest point from Earth in that. So it's just a point in space. And it kind of bounces around quite erratically. Uh, so that's the, the true node of Black Moon Lilith, um, or the mean node is where it's averaged out, so it's more stable. So right now, at the time of this conversation, the mean node of Black Moon Lilith is conjunct the north node of the moon in Gemini. And so with Gemini, chat, 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 we're talking about Lilith, you know, and a lot of people are talking about her themes right now i'm really noticing it um yeah so those are the four pillars astrologically of lilith and, and what they kind of engage with it's very interesting so that's like a whole different way of just like the the path of venus as a as a morning and evening star that's like a whole different way of diving deeper into these uh feminine and inner aspects of our blueprint so i think that's really amazing so also so the asteroid could be at one point and then the dark moon is in another point in your chart right mm -hmm. yeah and in the black moon somewhere else and what's crazy in my chart is i've got the asteroid here in my first house with my sun and my venus and my mercury mm. and my ascendant and then directly opposite my ascendant is the Waldemath dark moon and then down at the mm -hmm. bottom is the dark moon so she's forming this like t oh, on my yeah. chart like she's just like here i am <laughs> oh, wow and how how could you see that that um chart how did you find it yourself or is there a website where you can find that out yeah absolutely so um the astrology app that i have on my phone doesn't have all those points um astro.com is quite a good free one and if you go into extended chart selection and you can go down and you can put in that type in the asteroid, you can add in true, mean, black Lilith and dark moon Lilith. You can add them all in and see where they are at. Yeah. That's beautiful. And so journeying with Lilith and this uh, program that you've <laughs> developed, what, what does that mean? And for who is this because i want to for me it's like really interesting to see the types of things that women go through so you mentioned like uh, emotional health mental health and also like the physical health of our cycles and all of that how does it, how have you seen that it all comes together and are connected mm. Most of what I, I offer, especially if I'm offering medicine, uh, is, is fairly anchored in experience. I try, to, I try to give from a really embodied place. And for myself, the core, the core wound and, and therefore the core medicine around Lilith has had a lot to do with the meeting of the masculine and the feminine um, relationally, outwardly expressed in relationships, but also like internally, right? And so where the wounded feminine, where the, the feminine has been exiled, has been shut down, has been shamed, repressed or abused, perhaps for generations, and how that accumulates in the body and in the psyche and in the spirit. And that can manifest in so many different ways. Um, for myself, you know, it's shown up in like, these repeating patterns and relationships that feel very karmic and feel like, oh my God, I'm living the same fucking shit. Excuse my language, but it's just like, uh. um, it can, it can show up as like very intense um, experiences of like either sexual manipulation. It depends like how I break it down in the course as I look at it um, as these four stages of awakening and that's what we'll journey through so the first stage um is i call it the bound woman the bound woman and that's lilith in exile 
and or this is Lilith before she even chooses to leave the garden and it's so interesting because when I had this sort of spontaneous initiation with this lover I actually had a dream the first night I slept um, next to him that I was walking around his house and I looked outside and I saw a little demon with this bound tied up woman and he was trying to drown her in a swimming pool and um in my dream I said some Hail Marys and did some magic and you know whatever <laughs> it was a witchy dream but this theme of the bound woman has come up again and again in these repressed stages of Lilith and I think what it's about is it's the way that we're bound by conditioning the way that we're bound by trauma and the way that we're just like how down by these forces internal and external and I actually discovered in my research that um in sort of uh, you know when Lilith was like really big in early Jewish culture they would make these amulets to protect children that actually had a drawing of Lilith bound in chains and it would say Lilith be bound Lilith be gone this kind of stuff so the bound woman in that place we're having to start to sort of contact these exiled layers go really really deep down and through the body you know you will know this that like the body is the landscape we don't learn about Lilith through the mind all of these stories and myths they're just gateways they're just doorways the way that the healing happens is we go into the body and we start to connect with her frequency at these different levels so the bound woman level one level two the awakening and this is this is your me too movement this is your oh my god i am so angry oh my god i am so sad the grief you know um the retreat center that i that i helped build with my ex-husband was called the garden like it's just such a joke <laughs> and the grief of leaving leaving paradise because of you know various things that's where we have to sort of start metabolizing the wounds and part of that is feeling all of that stuff that's been shoved down for so long and 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 creating a really safe space to fully experience the anger like a safe space isn't playing out the same unhealthy relationship patterns over and over a safe space isn't a raging drug addiction or getting really wasted so that your wild woman can come out and you can just like fuck your best friend's husband because you're so repressed like no <laughs> do it in a course or like with a therapist or like in a ceremony ideally <laughs> and then the third stage there's enough enough of it has surfaced enough of it has there's enough spaciousness now the chains are starting to loosen and unbind and the energy and the vitality is coming back because so much power so much intuition, so many gifts, so much magic is bound and held down. And so when we start to digest this trauma and it starts to open up, there's vitality and there's courage and we start to like see ourselves again. And that's where radical self-responsibility comes in. I love to talk about sovereignty. I love to work towards sovereignty. I love to embody sovereignty. But to get there, radical self-responsibility has to be a step, you know? And so that's this third stage where we really start to go, okay, I've got some energy now. I'm going to commit to the healing. I'm going to commit to the alchemy. We can start bringing in the devotional piece. We can start bringing in the ritual. We can start bringing in more of the wisdom, more of the stories, because we're in a safe enough energetic frequency to work with Lilith. You know, working with shadow Lilith can be destructive and dangerous and unhealthy. And if we have unprocessed stuff, it's not always going to, it's an intense territory, you know? And then... Oh, I have to tell that part of the story too. But anyway, then we get to this final stage, which I call the exaltation. She's exalted and the queen is back on her throne. And then there's this just divine, and this is what I'm really sitting in at the moment. And I can't even 
put it into words but it is like black velvet just like serpentine undulating soft erotic power and just like this really deep sense of safety like the COVID stuff all of it I just there's this incredible sense of I have walked through hell and come out the other side and I'm still here and it's all okay. And then there's just like all this power and pleasure, but it's calm and I just want to protect what is sacred. I just feel eros flowing towards trees and rivers and mountains and the earth, you know, like it's just like the sacred earth. The, the great mother it's that really rich really refined really pure beautiful 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 ancient dark mother energy but um quite the ride to get there <laughs> I love that journey and all these aspects that you can work with I think all of us have something that we've experienced or that we're carrying that that could be worked with through this process that you've created and it's so liberating and it's very healing to work with other sisters in in these type of um, journeys and circles so I really love that and uh, I think we have a lot more to talk about for another episode definitely we have so <laughs> much <laughs> there's so much more I would love to ask and uh, yeah how can people find you and do you have anything that you want to share other than what we you've talked about i think for now there's so much more as you say but maybe if i just steer if i just share one tiny little more story I was um I was in a really really bad place with my mental health a really really deep grief really deep PTSD and I was experiencing the raw visceral the raw visceral emotional um pattern of like obsession which I think had always been underlying but it came right up and I was in it and I could see it but I couldn't stop it and it was very scary and I was somatically working with this. So sitting with this frequency of this obsessive looping desire. And I sort of pulled, gathered it all up and put it in a ball and popped it out in front of me. And I was like, what are you? And it was like this demonic Lilith who I'd seen in an ayahuasca ceremony a year or so earlier. And I was like, whoa, Lilith. You know, and she had black eyes and she was like crawling up from the depths and she was a demon. She was so intense. When I said to her, whoa, okay, no wonder I don't feel very good. <laughs> she, I was like, what do you want from me? What do you need? And she said, I need to be exalted. Exalt me. And I sort of thought, how can I do that? And so I just poured love, you know, like, like love and like flowing honey, nectar, devotion, exaltation from my heart. And it was like, she was gobbling it, gobbling it, gobbling it. And I was like, well, you could probably just eat this for 5,000 years. I probably don't have time for that today, but please, can you show me what, what will happen when you're exalted? And as soon as I asked that question, she just went and she turned into like a 20 foot iconography of Inanna Ishtar that you know the image from the Bernsey relief where she's got the wings and the eagle's feet and the lions and the image of Inanna and the image of Lilith they get called each other I, I do truly believe that they are different faces of each other and when she was this huge Inanna and at that time I didn't know about the myth that I just talked about today I, I hadn't made that connection then I made that connection two weeks ago you know <laughs> um and this happened last year so I'm looking at this huge mammoth Inanna and I was like now what and she just said to me I know this is hard and I know that this is taking you right to the edge of your sanity 
But if you stick with me, I will carve a path through the dark forest and I will teach you the true nature of love. And I just wanted to say that because for all the drama and all the darkness, that is what it's about. It is about the true nature of love. What is, what is love truly when it's purified, you know? Um, and so that's, yeah, that's what we'll be exploring. Uh, my website is pathoftherose.com and the program is called Black Moon Rising. Uh, it's a five-week online container and it will be starting on the dark moon of October 5th, but doors will open for registrations. I just have to do some more techie stuff like tomorrow and the next day, so probably Monday. Yeah. That's amazing. I hope... A lot of the listeners resonate with this and they can connect with you and I'll share all the links for your website and everything in the show notes so they can connect with you. And I'm so grateful that you took your time today to share so much wisdom and healing, just listening and healing through it. So I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm. So fun. So good. I love talking about this stuff. Thank you so much for listening today. If you would like to listen again or watch us in this recording, you can find the recording on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, Love Positivism. Uh, I loved talking to Lara. We had so much to talk about and I'm sure she's going to be back on another episode. And you can check her out on Instagram path of the rose or pathoftherose.com to check out her program and her work it's amazing and if you do like this episode and this podcast if you leave a review and rating on itunes i'm so grateful because it helps more people to find it and don't forget to subscribe on my youtube channel because sometimes i have yoga and meditation videos there as well and if you want to connect with me, I'm on Facebook and on Instagram at Love Positivism. And you can also find my book, Law of Positivism, Live a Life of Higher Vibrations, Love and Gratitude in most online bookshops. A really deep guide into healing and to knowing yourself better and living your highest potential. So I hope you have a beautiful week. I hope to see you next week on our Equinox and Full Moon Ceremony and Celebration online. If you want to know more, you can check it out in my Facebook or Instagram pages or at lawofpositivism.com. Let's take a deep inhalation in through the nose together. And exhale it all out through your mouth. Feeling yourself grounded, integrated. And thank you so much for being here this week. Mm -hmm.